First on film and entertainment, my name's Alex First. Joining me, Jackie Hamilton. Very good morning. Good morning, Alex and listeners. And Peter Krauss. G'day. Good morning, everyone. Gregory King, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, thank you, Alex. How's everyone? Everyone seems to be well. Dave, unfortunately, is not going to join us this week. Hopefully we'll be back next. That's Dave Griffiths I'm talking about. It has been a hell of a week in football. You guys don't care about it at all, but you should. Are you talking to me? Because I've got no idea what you're talking about. I thought I was on a film and entertainment program. No, you're not. And no, you're, not. It's you're ent- talking about he and him doing this and that. And Sorry. Well, it could be she and her, but it's not at this stage. So <laughs> they and them. Dave, where are you when we really need you, when we need some intelligent conversation about something that's entertainment-based? Hence, we talk about football first. Now, the cricket season's not far away because Essendon won't be playing final. Anyway, let's talk about a number of the movies that are on this week and we'll also talk about a number of shows because, Jackie, you've been, in fact, I think Thursday and Friday nights, if I'm not mistaken, you were at the theatre, correct? Yes, out on the town, Alex. Out on the town. Well, that's, that's And it's a great place to be. I mean, you know. Coming out of winter now, I, the, the nights are not so dark and, well, they get dark later and I can really feel that spring and summer coming along. No, you can't. It's damn cold at night. What are you talking about? It, it, it'll be, yeah, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Oh, gee. Talk, talk about optimism. We're months away. Yes. We're months away. This is the problem. Melbourne doesn't get warm till around about December. Well, I mean, spring, yeah, but it's spring in about two or three weeks and that's yeah, the start that's of it. Yay. Yeah. No, it's not the start of it. It's the, this is, the, the thing is, if you think about summer in Melbourne, what, it lasts four months, doesn't it? Maybe? December? If that, yeah. Yeah, if that, exactly. Let's talk about Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which is, I suppose, the big movie, not only of the week, but for quite some considerable time. A lot of conversation about it because a bold move by Emma Thompson to make a movie like this and it's received a lot of positive vibes and publicity. It's rated M. It goes for 97 minutes, and it's about this uptight, prim and proper middle-aged woman who has a beige sex life, and she hires a young, fit, handsome sex worker. So that is the starting point for this movie. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. It showcases Emma Thompson as we have never seen her before. She plays Nancy Stokes, who is not the real name of the character. She enlists the services of a hot Irishman called Leo Grand, again, not the character's actual name. So basically this is after two years since the husband, her husband, died. That's, that's, uh, so she, and even in the 31 years of their marriage, their sex life, well, according to her, was mundane at best. She, she's a former secondary school religious instruction teacher. She's never had an orgasm. Nancy has now paid for a hotel room and she's taken to the minibar by way of Dutch courage. Still, she's a bundle of nerves. She's never done anything like what she's about to. In comes Leo, Daryl McCormack, quite the antithesis of Nancy. He's calm, he's confident, he takes the lead. It's his job to ensure she loses herself in the moment. But she has questions aplenty. Even though Nancy says she's looking for adventure, it takes a great deal to get her to relax and give herself over to Leo. So this movie, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, takes us through a series of encounters between this pair. And that hits a sizable roadblock when Nancy presses too hard. Suffice to say that the movie is heavy on talk rather than action. But still, it's a big deal, as I said at the outset, that an actor of Thompson standing has inverted commas exposed herself in a film like this and I think she really magnificently captures the awkwardness that the that really is the hallmark of the character her character someone used to control who is way outside her comfort zone Jackie yes she certainly is I mean all of her um the conversation you're talking about and the question she asks it, it really it's it's about delaying tactics until she's as she's trying to keep control and she's put herself in a situation where I mean she has placed herself there willingly but she's put herself there where she is not comfortable and doesn't know how to handle it so she does it her way which is to ask questions and delay 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 the inevitable well it's not even inevitable because it, it doesn't have like, to happen I think I think the point that you made is an important one I mean she has hired this gentleman to service her so to speak but she then 
when, when push comes to shove, shove seeing seeing him in the flesh and you know gorgeous body, all of that sort of stuff, she she starts to second guess herself. And you know, is this really what she wants to do? Because it's so far being this sort of prim and proper person. Uh, really, is it the right thing for me to do? And she wants to do it, but she can't bring herself to do it. Correct. Well, I think it's it's about even more than that. It's about her looking back at her entire life and seeing that she come, she's of a certain age and she's come through an era where she has subjugated herself to her family, her husband, her children, her job, her pupils as a religious education teacher, and she's done everything she's expected to do by society. And she's reached this point where her children and her students and her husband, who's no longer with us, don't need her anymore. And she is now a person of her own standing. And who is she? She's not happy. She's no, she, she hasn't been a person by herself almost her entire life. And she's reached a crossroads in her life and she wants to break out of that and discover who she is. But arguably, and have adventures and arguably, enjoy. Sure, but arguably she hasn't been happy for a long time. This is not new. Oh, totally. But because she's had the responsibilities and because she is that person who, uh, you know, who, who, who performs her duties according to society, even her duties to her husband, um, that because of that, she hasn't seen a path to break out and be able to um, uh, uh, um, even share the kind of person she is with who she has to be. Mm. But now she's free to do that. And I think it's a very, very sad film because it takes, she wants to discover who she is, but it takes, it's turning her whole life upside down to be able to step out and do this and just take that first step. But you know, when and you see say, if this is the step that might get her there. Perhaps when you, when you say it's sad, uh, you could argue that it's something more than that. In fact, she turns it around because if she didn't do this, the easy way would be not to do this. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Correct. I'm saying her life is sad. I'm saying it's tragic disappointment that she all she can do is talk Correct. about the failure in her relationships with her children and the kind of people they've turned out to be, and all she can think uh, in in relation to um, love making with her husband how god awful it's been for all her life, and she's simply put up with it. Well, so I don't, I don't, I don't think we say. I think to to put it in those terms, if it's mediocre at best, I mean, it, I'm, I, it seems to be like it was an, an obligation almost, and it, it, that that's kind of the way that I read it. Do you think? Well, I mean, so, sorry, go ahead, comment on that. Oh, I'm ju- I'm just disputing the word obli- uh, the word mediocre. Oh, okay. Terrible. I I said mediocre. I said mediocre at best. What what I was what I was going on to say. I I think that this would relate to a large number of people, whether that be men, women, or otherwise. Um, I, I'm I'm saying that there'd be a lot of people who are stuck in a rut and would dearly love to break out, but they just can't bring themselves to do it. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, because they're abiding by their the society's expectations and their own sense of responsibility to their duties. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see, I'm certainly I think a lot of women will go to see it because it's been promoted that way in the trailers as, a, you know, a, a woman who's going through a sexual adventure. But I think it would be lovely to see a lot of partners going along to see it, male partners. And I did see some at the screen that I went to, and it was very well received, I think. Did, did you like it as a film? Very, very much. I, I think it was it not written for Emma Thompson because she um, spoke, it was, you, it was, it was so much, it felt made for her. Um, and I might say that the young gentleman, McCormack, Daryl McCormack, uh, he totally stood yeah. up to, he, he was astonishingly good against, uh, you know, it being a, almost entirely a two-hander, uh, um, standing up with Emma Thompson there and playing a very difficult character of a layered character. He was playing two 
people and yep. just occasionally you saw that real person just sneaking through. He allowed us just to see that from time to time and then he snapped back to the person he had to be for Nancy. Oh, that was really clever. I, I, I would say more than just occasionally, we actually did get to see that side of his character. Towards the end, yes, I, more and yeah, more. I, look, I, I, I agree with you. I think it requires another performer with serious acting chops to go toe-to-toe with somebody like Emma Thompson and he made a, Daryl McCormack made a really good fist of it. The only concern that I had with this movie was that it, it takes a while for it to lift to another gear. It needed to do that and it did, but up until that point, it's it's built around her hang-ups and reticence. And I I was I thought it was a very strong movie, but I there, there were periods of time when I just wanted it to keep on get going a bit. That was just my I thought the timing was perfectly in tune with the way Nancy yes. was so uptight and how long it actually took her totally to agree. open up. If it had gone quickly, I don't think it would have been as as authentic. No, I look I agree it fitted in with the character. I just I I was just I was thinking, yeah, come on, give me something more. That was what I was thinking. What about you, Greg? Did you did you sort of think it the pacing was good? Did you at any point feel, oh well, I'm I'm being distracted, I'm looking away, or were you engaged? No, I was engaged, and I thought there was a great chemistry, as Jackie said, between um, the two stars there, and their characters are fully fleshed out and given life by the performance there. I thought, and I thought the roles offered both actors plenty of opportunities to explore and develop their characters and build them a little bit there. Um, and I thought Thompson was excellent conveying Nancy's insecurities, her doubts, her nervousness, her neurotic hang-ups. I mean, she's never experienced an orgasm for one, and her vulnerability. And she slowly comes to embrace her own sexuality and becomes much a stronger character there. Um, And I thought there was a brave, fearless and revealing performance there and a risky role for someone of her status there. And I thought McCormack, as Jackie said, matches her all the way. He brings an affable, disarming, easygoing charm and confidence, confidence to his performance. And I didn't, weren't conscious of um, what you were talking about, Alex, at all. I, I, I thought it moved along quite well. The dialogue between the two as they sort of talked things out, discussed their lives and their sexuality was um, quite engaging. Um, you can almost imagine this being turned into a stage play as um, as a, basically a two-hander there. I well, thought it was Greg, nice sorry, let, me, let, let me interrupt you. I thought I was watching a stage play because it really does. I mean, seeing a lot, of, I see as much theatre as I do movies and this really had play written all over it. Obviously, I would imagine that these two characters could could get onto a stage and perform it quite well because really most of the scenes occur in a hotel room and yeah. you've got the coffee shop of the same hotel. So the drama and the comedy is derived from the interplay. That didn't bother me. I've just seen a film called The Outfit, which all takes place in one setting and it's very stage-bound as well, but that didn't bother me as much. I thought this was an intelligent, insightful character study, a thought-provoking film, and it also reminded me a little bit of The Sessions, the 2012 drama that starred Helen Hunt as a sex therapist who worked with John Hawke's polio um, yes, I remember that. Him, um, his yeah. sexual awakening. And I, I I thought this was quite well strong drama. And it's non-judgmental towards Leo and his sex work. And it's non-judgmental towards Nancy as well. Well, I mean, for the Lions share of the movie, Daryl McCormack displays this sort of easygoing charm, providing sort of his yin to her her yang. Uh, that, that's one of the things that really struck me about his performance, Peter. Did you also find it totally engaging? I absolutely did. I had a long chat to the Australian director of the film, uh, Sophie Hyde, who worked together with the uh, screenwriter, uh, Katie Brand, and they had attached uh, Emma Thompson to this film very early on because uh, Emma was very keen for when she saw the initial storyline to be part of this film and for the revelations that occur and for her um, for her ability to be able to uh, have a a much meatier sort of role if you like to put it that way so it's interesting the process that was used to make this film uh, because what they did was they had no intimacy coordinator what they did was they uh, rehearsed each day's 
scenes and it was all shot in a studio there was no hotel used at all um and they rehearsed each scene each uh, day's uh script um each day's revelations and and uh, and and other things that were coming up in the storyline and they were very natural and uh, and they had a great chemistry together both Daryl and Emma and so I thought they did an excellent job because this film is basically a journey a journey for two people who are not necessarily uh, particularly happy about their worlds or about their roles. Um, they can put surface uh, issues uh, to the fore so that they can feel better uh, about themselves or try to. But I actually think this is a, a very positive film because of the way the characters are so cleverly developed it's interesting how we talk about this as a sort of stage-bound uh, sort of film, when in fact if we saw the same thing from France or from uh, Europe, we wouldn't hesitate at all and say this is a, a great intimate no, sort, no, no, sort of film. I, I vehemently disagree. I've seen a lot of movies from foreign foreign movies that are exactly the same, and I'd, I'd immediately say if it if it's a play that looks like if it's a film that looks like a play, I'll I'll call it out. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because I mean, there's National Theatre Live that Nova plays all the time, and they're very very good. It's not quite like that, but because there's a minimalist feel to it in terms of the number of sets, the locations, uh, you can imagine it being seen on the stage in front of you. That that's all I'm saying. That's not necessarily a negative, it's just an observation. But that could apply equally to foreign language films, Peter. Yeah, I, I still quite uh, don't quite accept that argument because I think films can be both intimate or action-based or something else, and uh, they don't necessarily have to have these uh, uh, inordinate sequences where you have so much going on that uh, you have to assume that uh, it, it's uh, it's one of those perpetual action sort of movies. This one's an intimate, carefully constructed, beautiful character study, and I was very impressed by it. Uh, I thought Emma Thompson is superb, and I would be astounded if she didn't get an Oscar nomination um, for her role. But I would say Daryl MacDonald, who has been in a number of other Irish Darryl, films. Daryl McCormack. Uh, Daryl McCormack, I'm sorry. Daryl McCormack, who's been in a number of other Irish films. Uh, in fact, he's, he actually already has quite an extensive uh, filmography. I remember him in the film Pixie, uh, but he hides his uh, Irish accent <laughs> quite well. Uh, he also is destined for uh, uh, nominations and and so on. This is a well-acted, well-written, well-directed, intimately constructed film, uh, and I was very impressed. Certainly. Um, just on that point about the Oscar nominations, there's a bit of um, controversy there that because the film has bypassed cinemas overseas, um, Emma Thompson may not get that Oscar nomination. Hmm, that would be very I disappointing. Yeah, I think I read somewhere where they have actually um, uh, fixed that up so oh. that uh, uh, because there, there's still some flexibility in terms of digital release and, uh, and so on for the Oscars. Oh, that's good. I mean, there's no question that it's really empathetic and and I found it largely engaging as well. I thought it was very, very strong. I think your marks are going to be reasonably high. So let's start with you, Peter. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. M rated and it runs for 97 minutes. Sure. Uh, very impressive film. Uh, I give it eight out of ten. And we'll go to Jacqueline Hamilton. Um, from me for good luck to you, Leo Grand, seven and a half out of ten. And can I just make the point? I also thought it had a stage play feel about it, which neither bothered me nor just that. I thought that was absolutely fine. And what I think that does is really brings the actual dialogue to the fore, which mm. I really enjoy. So if you don't have a lot of action going on and things to look at, you're listening more intently to very clever and well built and developed dialogue. Mm. And you, Gregory King. Yeah, I agree that with what Jackie said, that the limited setting gives it more of an intimate feeling rather than that stage-bound feeling. Um, and I'm going to give it seven to seven and a half as well. And I'm giving it a seven and a half as well. So, I mean, you know, it's interesting because, I, Jackie, the way you were talking, I, I, I was expecting you to give it a higher mark than that. Just, to, I mean, the question without notice, as most questions to you are, why would you not have given this a higher mark? I'm not sure, Alex. That was, that was just the score I gave it. I'm, no, no, that's how I feel about it. Just instinctive. No, no, that, that, that's fair enough. 
Okay, well, look, let's move on to the next movie, which is Girl at the Window. So you have got a troubled teenager called Amy, played by Ella Newton. Her father died when he fell down a disused mine shaft while bird watching with Amy a couple of years ago. So she was in close proximity. She blames herself. She's still having nightmares about it. Since the accident, looking for a fresh start, Amy's mum, Barbara, played by Rada Mitchell, has relocated the pair to the outskirts of an Australian country town. I don't think we know which state it's in, do we, boys and girls? It's all about the history of the gold rush there. Oh, of course it does. Sorry, you're quite right. Very good. Thank you, Greg. Mum has also become friendly with the next-door neighbour, Craig, played by Vince Colosimo. But her mum's views about Craig do not coincide with Amy's, who believes he's a serial killer who's been abducting local girls. And she comes to that conclusion after hearing a scream and faithfully noting down the times that a van with its lights off appears outside his house in the middle of the night. So this girl never sleeps. I'm not sure how she wakes up to go to school in the morning, but there you go. She becomes obsessed with unearthing the truth. The mother is dismissive, as are the local police. All feel that Amy's fixation and episodes relate back to the trauma of her father's death. She's got a best friend called Leanne, played by Karis Kalani Oka, and the best friend is far from convinced by Amy's truth, in inverted commas, either. But there's definitely something sinister going on next door, only it is not what Amy had imagined. That is Girl at the Window. Look, my take on this, Greg, is that credibility is thin. Uh, I mean, it is a thriller. It's been written by Terence Hammond, Hammond and uh, Nicolette Minster, directed by Mark Hartley. I I reckon it's a thin midday telly movie. What do you think? Look, Mark Hartley is a sort of jab hand at this kind of thing. He sort of knows the tropes of this um, exploitation genre there. Um, but, I, yeah, I think it missed the mark a little bit there. Uh, some of some of the characters are a little bit clichéd, um, yeah. underdeveloped there. I didn't think Rada Mitchell was given a particularly lot to do in a fairly thankless role. Um, but it, it does hold the interest occasionally. But I agree that um, it's more like um, Rear Window and Disturbia than anything else. It borrows elements from those films. And it's produced by a guy called Anthony A. Janine, who established his reputation as one of the key figures of um, the John Eric um, exploitation films in the 70s and 80s there as well. And it's interesting to note that the score is composed by a guy called Jamie Blanks, who has also established himself in the slasher film genre with films like Urban Legend, and I thought that added to the tone of the film as well. Um, again, it's nicely shot, I thought, but a bit of a cl- bit clichéd in some of the characters. Some of the dialogue is a little bit bland as well. And um, I just thought um, it got to the... Um, conclusion a bit too quickly there 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 was a bit of a lack of suspense there and the conclusion was um i thought very disappointing yeah well for a couple supposedly they're supposedly still mourning the loss of their husband and father respectively so amy and barbara i thought they were surprisingly blasé peter i you know i can't say that the supporting cast generally moved me either i mean if i had to pick out one cast member who at least gave me a little bit of a smile it'd be Karis Kalani Oka as the sassy Leanne. I, I mean, I thought the whole thing basically was, apart from her, was really acting by the numbers and no no one here is going to win any awards, are they? No, but this is a, a genre piece and we don't make that many genre pieces in uh, in Australia as uh, thrillers sort of go. And Mark Hartley, as uh, Greg quite, uh, quite rightly says, is a dab hand at these uh, genre films. Um, and, uh, of course, because Mark also did Not Quite Hollywood and uh, Patrick, etc. cetera. Um, uh, this film was shot fairly quickly uh, and it had a script, when I spoke to Mark Hartley, that was pared back considerably because of COVID restrictions and and so on when the film was shot and they only had Rada Mitchell for a very limited period of time Uh, and they were particularly keen to have her because they want to sell the film overseas. Look, this is an an average, adequate uh, thriller. Um, It uh, it is a little bit by the numbers. Um, Sorry, sorry, so Peter, average, adequate Good golly. Uh, are you going to hit, hit this with a wet lettuce leaf, are you? Sorry, <laughs> lettuce leaves are too expensive, so maybe it's a bit of cabbage now. 
Ah, boiled boiled cabbage. All right. Uh, look, it's uh, it, the film's okay for its genre sort right. of leanings, but it's not necessarily uh, something that you'd write home about in terms of being groundbreaking or, or clever or having twists and turns that are particularly nasty, although there's one particularly gruesome scene in the film, but I won't uh, do a spoiler in that. It's uh, Look, it's not a bad film at all. Uh, it's just nothing to write home about. Well, Greg put it another way. I'm just going to say the whole thing looks and feels contrived. And and the actor, to me, the actor's lack of self-belief is going to translate to similar feelings from an audience, which that's a bit of a worry. Now, Jackie, I don't think you would have seen this, would you? No, I, I did not see that film. No. Look, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, if you're prepared to swallow the world of make-believe for a cheap thrill – then by all means go for it. That's that's my take on Girl at the Window. It's a, a film that just didn't reach any great heights and it just did what every other movie of this genre tends to do and that's why I'm putting it in the sort of telemovie midday basket of, of years gone by. It's rated MA for very good reason because, pardon me, the subject matter, my voice is going, I'm going to take a drink. <clears throat> Very nice. And I think it's worth a MA 84 minutes, 5 out of 10. What do you think, Peter? Uh, look, I tend to agree. I gave it 5 out of 10 as well. Peter has got given 5. I've given it 5. Greg, you're either going to make it or break it in terms of pass mark. Well, I'll go around about 5 to 5.5 as well. Okay, there we go. All right, so that's Girl at the Window. Now, we have got another movie that uh, we've. I think we've all seen. I, I'm a bit of a fan of this movie maker because he does films that are very different. David Cronenberg is his name, and arguably he does body horror better than anyone. And Crimes of the Future, which is the movie we're going to talk about, continues that journey. And it's rated MA, runs for 108 minutes. He wrote it back in 1999, so... Good golly, it's been sitting on the shelf for a while. He thought this was the right time to make the movie. I, I didn't actually find out why. Has anybody spoken to him and found out why he kept it on the shelf for 20 years? No. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the rationale, as I understand it, was informed by the rise in the predominance of microplastics. Now, we've spoken a lot about that in the media, and it, it's in most of the things that we consume, seemingly, these days and you know the ocean but but it's in in cosmetics it's in things that we buy and which we eat so it, it starts rather remarkably crimes of the future this young boy watched on by his mother eats a plastic rubbish bin yes i'm i'm not kidding you he does start gnawing away and takes a considerable chunk out of a plastic rubbish bin and the <clears throat> i'm really sorry folks <clears throat> The corollary to that is played out as the film progresses. And I'm going to take another drink of water, folks. While you're drinking, Alex, I'll mention another girl. At, I know it's interrupting you talking about a different one, but can I also mention a girl, another girl at the window, which was the doco, the princess, about Princess Diana. I'm just going to say that so you can drink your water and get your voice oh, back. You're very kind indeed. And, that, yes, that opened last week. Did you enjoy it, Jackie? Very, very much uh, to the point where I it's it's simply archival footage, but put together in a in a very skilled way, and to my astonishment, left me in literally in tears at the end. Very nice, excellent. Thank so you. So just mentioning it. That's all. Giving no, you a chance. You got your voice back. I, well, I, now temporarily, I think at the moment it's gone again. Right. <laughs> Having said that, the the I mentioned that the corollary to this young boy plays out as the film progresses. And in Cronenberg's Brave New World, physical manifestations of pain are a thing of the past. Although fated performance artist Saul Tenser, played by Viggo Mortensen, is different. His body grows new organs regularly, and they're considered tumorous. So they're removed by his fellow artist and his lover, Caprice, played by Leia Seydoux, who's a former trauma surgeon. To take this one step further, the surgeries performed on Tensor, that surgery that is performed on him, is considered the new sex, so a major turn-on. He sleeps in a specially constructed computer-controlled womb-like bed 
It's known as an orchid bed. And you've got skeletal hands monitoring his pain and keeping him comfortable while he sleeps. He also has trouble swallowing food, which he consumes with effort from a skeletal chair known as the breakfaster. So you've got the orchid bed, you've got the breakfaster, you've also got surgical devices. All of these are maintained by a pair of technical experts. Things don't always work. And one of them is called Router, played by Nadia Litz, and the other one Burst by Tanaya Beatty, and they seem to enjoy what they do. So one day, Tensa and Caprice, the, the lovers and the performance artists, who are both revered for their remarkable public surgical shows, turn up the door of a sleazy back office. And the sign on the door reads National Organ Registry. It's an unofficial body which discreetly tracks new organ growths. And it's run by career bureaucrats Mr Whippet, played by Don McKellar, and Timlin, T-I-M-L-I-N, Kristen Stewart. Both of these people greatly admire Tensor, the performance artist. Also seeking him out is a man called Lang Detrice, played by Scott Speedman, who's the father of the boy that I mentioned at the start of this review, the one who eats plastic. And Detrice himself only consumes silver foil-wrapped purple-coloured candy bars. Hmm. Well, the mystery does deepen, but it does come together, fortunately, as crimes of the future reaches a climax. Along the way, of course, there are more surprises. There, there are three words that I'd use to describe it. It's sinister, it's fascinating, and it's disturbing. So you can't say there isn't food for thought, both literally and figuratively, but, but you, you do need to concentrate to follow the narrative, to, to, to sort of get threads in your head and be prepared for what, what comes next. It, it speaks about the world that's evolved, where technology is playing an increasing part the question must be asked, though, is it for the greater good? Well, technology is here to stay and it'll continue to evolve. So what does this say about the future, Peter? <laughs> I think it has a, a very uh, pervasive and uh, uh, gloomy look at the future in terms of harvesting organs and in terms of uh, the way plastics and, and other artificial devices are going to impact uh, on our uh, lives on humanity, and uh, and I suppose this is sort of a midpoint uh, before we get to robotics and uh, uh, and uh, uh, artificial intelligence. I was very impressed by this film because of the cleverness of the writing. Um, uh, certainly, this is a, a most unique experience in terms of the construction of the storyline and the uh, performances uh, of a, a really good range of disparate actors. The whole film was shot in Greece, by the way, even though it's a Canadian-Greece co-production, um, uh, is very impressive indeed. I, I, I really enjoyed this and uh, I was wondering about whether, uh, why Cronenberg uh, uh, had to sit on this uh, uh, script for so long. I'm, partly not sure he, I'm not sure he had to, but he chose to. He chose to, but I, I suppose a lot of it is to do with special effects and to do with um, hitting the market at the right time in terms of a, a, a body horror sort of film, which is quite unusual and quite different. And so uh, funding is always going to be an issue. Anyway, uh, I really uh, liked the film. I, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but liked the film and admired it for what Cronenberg uh, was trying to say. And uh, uh, he's done so many of these really off, off the wall uh, films that comment on human existence uh, and uh, look at the next step in uh, what might happen in uh, in humanity and in uh, artificial um, uh, sort of development. So, uh, yeah, I, I really liked the film. I was very impressed. You, you talked about the special effects. I, I thought the production design was memorable. I mean, the devices concocted were imaginative. Carol Spears, the, Carol Spear is the one who has done the production design, and I think she... She deserves a mention. So too, Greg, uh, the performances. I mean, I, I, I really did appreciate the strength and conviction in the leads, especially Vigo Mortensen. He successfully channels Tense's fragile state throughout the movie. Leia Saydu, I thought, brought an empathetic and loving enthusiasm to Caprice. And Kristen Stewart, well, she, she really does capture Timlin's story arc. She moves from apprehensive to highly excitable. So I thought they were pretty damn good. What do you think? I haven't seen this one, Alice, because it doesn't start till next Thursday. 
I thought it started today. Uh, I mean, Thursday of week gone by. Is that right? Okay. Well, I'm I'm sorry about that. So I I I must admit, according to it's, I must be using a different reference point because um, I thought it started on Thursday. So there you go, Jackie. I presume you haven't seen this one either. I have not, Alex. No. Uh, that's all right. That's that's. Uh, I've jumped the gun, folks, but it's good for us to both talk about it because I thought it was worthwhile. I, no question in my mind. And and look, as much as with much of Cronenberg's work, it, it's a picture for selective taste. Not everybody's going to love this one, Peter, uh, because you have to you have to understand the mentality of the man. Having said that, he's really forward thinking. I find his form of science fiction really intriguing, and this movie certainly it, it, it's in his canon of work. Uh, it, it sort of builds on what he's done previously, and it has a lot to say, which which is what I really appreciated about it. I mean, who do you think it's going to appeal to? Only Cronenberg fans and sci-fi fans and horror horror fans, or do you think it'll be broader than that because of its subject matter? Well, those three genres you just mentioned are fairly broad to begin with, so I think the film will have quite an appeal and it's one of those films that will develop a cult following and will stay around for a long time. I think your your um, connection to us today is is rather ropey. You're dropping in and out. It's because of those thin walls and because you live live near Iceland. Is that right? <laughs> uh, or the Grand Prix? One of the two. One I, of I the can't two. work I, it out. I thought you left the Grand Prix track and you, you went to to live in colder climes. So that it, it seems evident by the connection. Having said that, it's called Crimes of the Future. It's rated MA, and you are going to give it Peter a score out of ten. Eight out of ten, a film I can highly recommend. I'll give it a seven out of ten. So I, yeah, I did you did you see where it was going while you were watching it without giving away anything too much to the people who were going to go and see it? No, because I really enjoyed the journey and I liked the twists and tail and twists and turns in the way the narrative developed. So no, I, I Cronenberg is a true original and he really challenges his audiences. He does indeed. Now, Jackie, the, you have seen two plays this week, uh, or music, one musical, one play, uh, both of which I've seen. So let's talk about them. You, uh, you and I both saw Hairspray. Now, this is a, a a really great production, I think, at the Regent Theatre, and the spark burns really brightly. It, it's it's a delightfully breezy musical. Its theme is discrimination. So it's colourful, it's dynamic, you've got toe-tapping tunes, you've got smooth moves, the dancing is really spectacular, and a stellar cast with a lot of talent. It, it sizzles, this show. It, it brings frenzied acclamation from an appreciative audience. I, I was fortunate to go along opening night and there were wolf whistles and it was just there was just this massive buzz around it. And we're talking about Baltimore in 1962. And there's a teenager called Tracy Turnblad, played by Carmel Rodriguez. She's a small-statured young woman who is big-boned. She knows what she wants. She wants to try out for a vacant post on a teenage musical television show hosted by Corny Collins. That's a role filled by Rob Mills. And the program's sponsored by Harriman F. Spritzer, who's the president of hairspray manufacturer Ultra Clutch. And it's overseen by a self-serving producer called Velma von Tussle, Rhonda Birchmore. She, this is Velma von Tussle, wants her daughter Amber, Brianna Bishop, who is a regular on the show, to be crowned Miss Teenage Hairspray. You were almost born in an era. I mean, did your mother put lots of hairspray into your hair? Do you remember, Jackie? Because mine did. No, I don't think we were hairspray people. Really? I... I, I I think it's called Schwarzkopf or something like that. I just remember Schwarzkopf. that. It is, Black, yeah. Blackhead. Blackhead. That was, that was a, a mainstay of my – it's the first time I've thought about this for, golly, 40 years, but it was a mainstay of my upbringing. And whenever – because I used to go in when mum was getting her hair done and it was all over the counters in the in, in the – hair boutique she went to so there you go so yeah it may maybe that was all brought back to me in hairspray and i only just thought about it now but there we go so what we've got here is that you've got tracy's larger than life mother edna played by shane jacobson yes he plays a she who she runs a laundry business out of their home and is 
dismissive of Tracy's ambition to make it on the television program. Not so her father, Wilbur, Todd McKenney, who encourages her to follow her dreams. The existing performers on the live-to-air program include several from Tracy's school, which is Patterson Park High. But when Tracy turns up for the, pardon me, audition, these classmates of her diss her. And that doesn't matter in the sense that she still meets and falls for the show's male heartthrob, a guy called Link Larkin, played by Sean Johnson. While she's in detention, which she receives for wearing her hair too high and skipping school, Tracy befriends this hip, kind-hearted, well, great dancer called Seaweed, Seaweed J. Stubbs. Javon King is the man in that role. He shows her his dancing prowess and, boy, oh, boy, she is immediately sold, and I can understand why, because he's a brilliant performer. Tracy can't understand why someone of his talent isn't given more time on the television program. Once a month, he appears on what's termed Negro Day, and everything changes after Tracy wins a place on the show, courtesy of turning the head of Courtney, 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 no, Courtney Collins at a broadcast event called The Sophomore Hop. Tracy, well, she's nothing if not passionate and someone who knows right from wrong, and she decides on a call to arms to protest against the treatment of blacks on the show. And she's got the full support of the sassy, strong-willed owner of a downtown record shop who happens to be Seaweed's mother called Motormouth Mabel, played Mabel, played by Asabi Goodman. I, I just thought it was really impressive. It's an uplifting musical. It's not for naught that it won eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical. This is the original Broadway production. We've only we've seen this in Mel, in Melbourne before. It opened at the Princess Theatre in 2010, but that wasn't, to the best of my knowledge, the original uh, Broadway production. It was a, a different show, and this one goes back to its roots. So this message of inclusiveness that it has continues to resonate, remains just as relevant as when it first appeared in a 1988 movie written and directed by John Waters. What did you think of it, Jackie? Hairspray. Yes, I. the themes obviously are still relevant, um, and not surprisingly, things in society do move slowly. Um, the inclusiveness is the other uh, of, you know, um, body image and racism are, are still relevant as are other things today that we're trying to open society up about. Um, however, I didn't leave with a great impression of, a, of an enormous depth to this. It is light and bright and fun, breezy, funny, um, uplifting, and uh, you know it's. But it's a little bit fairy floss. I, I didn't have a mass. I didn't have a deep emotional connection with what was going on, and leave really? the, the theatre feeling, feeling uh, I needed to think about this, and uh, um, uh, you know, no. So it, it was fun, and also you haven't mentioned the films. Of course, we're familiar with it, uh, with the storyline through all the films. Uh, so I did, I did mention that. I did mention it. It, it started. Oh, sorry, off. I must have must have it just must have tuned out. Yeah. No, I mean, there's been two movies made, but the first one was 1988, and it was written and directed by John Waters. But what mm. what, what I what I was going to say, Jackie, it was written more than you know a couple of decades ago, and I think the message from it is very strong about discrimination and the the but it's packaged in a light in a light folio that, that but it doesn't take away from what's behind it uh, it's not disguised it's certainly out there and you know again it's it's interesting when you hear the word negro day and how of course it, it just it, it makes your skin crawl i mean it made my skin crawl that, that this was even discussed and i i think that that's all it takes. It doesn't need to be hit over the head, and I think it works for exactly for that reason. Oh, I'm not saying I wanted to be hit over the head, um, but I'm giving you my honest opinion. And um, I agree with you about the cast. Each individually was outstanding. I think I expected Shane Jacobson as uh, Edna, the mother, to be a little more upfront and, uh, you know, full on and sort of centre of attention. Gee, uh, he was. But he, he was. He absolutely... No, no, he wasn't. He, 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 no, no, the production allows Tracy to take the centre stage. I thought he was incredible. Vocally, did, did you know he was that good a singer? 
No, he's he's very impressive. Yeah, he could really hold a tune. And I love the little um the little gameplay between him and Todd McKinney oh, that was as they one. had their little romantic oh, moments. Oh, I, I thought the little nod to the audience was totally delightful and totally in keeping with the way that um you know that sense of humor came across. Yes. Oh, you're right. That duet in the second act. It is one of the many highlights of the piece. I, I actually think the talent is really strong. They, you know, we could go through each of them, but but in it vocally and and I thought Shane was vocally and a co- comically. I mean, both both he and I mean Todd McKinney takes a, a a smaller role here as well. Rob Mills, I, I thought he was ideally suited to the role of TV host Corny Collins and. Rhonda he has a magnificent cheesy smile, does he not, uh, Rob uh, Collins? I agree. I totally agree. Oh, sorry, Rob Mills. Rob Mills. Yeah. And, and Rhonda Birchmore, she really revels as this mean-spirited Velma and Brianna Bishop sort of channels her narcissistic daughter with ease. But it wasn't Asabi Goodman. She was terrific as Motormouth. Uh, and, and I've already referenced Javon King. What a natural graciousness and a great – I mean, I, he, was the, he was the standout dancer for me. Wasn't he, he danced like like molten metal, like lava. He Fred, just kind of Fred Astaire, Fred Astaire, modern incantation. Uh, re, I agree. I I mean, it just it's like a look at me performance. You're thinking, oh my god, your jaw drops. And it, it, it's funny because I'm not saying the others were bad; they weren't. But you know, it's kind of like if he went for a job interview alongside all the others, um, they'd put a, they'd put a crown on his head after. Uh, 10 seconds. Magnificent. Yeah. And also talking about the dancing, individual styles, um, uh, Mackenzie Dunn as Penny Pingleton, Tracy's yeah. best friend, she just kept herself in jump, uh, you know, chewing gum character. Oh. Uh, even when she was dancing, she was doing the very slightly off-kilter, goofy yeah. Yeah. style without stealing the show she managed to keep us thoroughly entertained on the sidelines there too totally she, she had a great character totally agree and in fact it's funny because I, I I sort of reckon she made the most of every scene that she was in not a line wasted so original direction Jack O'Brien playing at the Regent Theatre it is a very very fine production Hairspray We've got time to talk about the Alex, other- can I quickly ask a question? You can. Why in Hairspray and all the incarnations I have seen, a previous stage production and the film version with John yep. Travolta, why is Tracy's mother always played by a male actor in drag? I, I don't have a, a complete answer for you, but I can. I, what I can say is it really works. I, I mean, that, yeah, that's a good enough reason to do it. And it really works, and that, that's that's all I've got for you. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's some something online that I can uh, give you an answer to that next week. Uh, let, let, but good question. Anna Kay is on at the Malthouse, and by their very nature, if you think about human relationships, it's it, they're messy. So the vast majority don't hit the headlines, but if you're a public figure, you're considered to be fair game, and that's the case with a 44 year old television anchor called Anna Kay. It's K A Y, played by Carolyn Craig. She starts trending and is slut-shamed when she takes up with a 27-year-old SAS soldier called Lexi, played by Callan Coley. Their relationship began after she interviewed the whistleblower, that's the SAS soldier, who witnessed abhorrent behaviour from his superiors in Afghanistan. Anna subsequently walked out on her husband, who's a surgeon, his name's Jonathan, and their 10-year-old son, Harry. We don't see either of them, but they're frequently referenced. And Anna maintains she's never felt the kind of love that she has for this soldier, the 27-year-old Lexi. He reciprocates Anna's feelings, having broken up with his fiancée to be with her. And the pair want to be free to pursue their relationship without scrutiny. That is not going to happen. After a short interlude during which they greatly enjoy each other's company, Anna is due back at work the following day. She's actually preparing to break a really big and important story. As I say, she's a television anchor. And then social media goes haywire, exposing Anna's dirty secret. The pair's hold up in a hotel room, which all be- it becomes a prison for Anna over the next few days. The media is sort of camped outside the hotel, trying to catch a glimpse of this scarlet woman. The husband, Jonathan, is viewed as the aggrieved party. The son, Harry, is not returning Anna's calls. And while Anna and Lexi maintain that they've done nothing wrong, that's not how the world around them sees it. By far the harshest judgment is being passed on Anna 
who's having a major meltdown. The consequences of the choice that she's made, both for her mental health and her career, are momentous. Really thoughtfully conceived and written by Susie Miller, and a K, just the letter K, well directed by Carissa Licardello, and the tension, which is ratcheted up as the screws are tightened, was palpable throughout. The focus is primarily on, on Anna, and that focus is razor sharp. I thought Caroline Craig was outstanding as the defiant centrepiece, becomes a nervous wreck. She's adept at displaying the range of emotions that come with the territory. And Callan Coley impresses too, measured performances, Anna's more naive lover, who has a revelation of his own to share. And you've got a <coughs> called Louisa Mignon, who's adept at handling several roles. They include Anna's sister-in-law and a fellow journalist and friend trying to talk sense to Anna. And then thirdly, a young reporter that Anna has mentored. So that, that's my take on it. I've got a few other things to say, but what about you, Jackie? Anna Kay at Malthouse. Yes, absolutely. Again, it's a, it is a credible um, and very contemporary story. Um, I thought Carolyn Craig was superb and it brought to mind the picture of Dorian Gray recently. Yes. Uh, you know, certainly this was mostly, two, uh, again, a two-hander, but um, she dominated and it was um, certainly the tension explodes at the end. It certainly builds and then it does explode. I thought the it's funny to say it, but I thought the lighting was brilliant. It so allowed fun. us to that see the passage of time, which helped build her character because we could see that this is the way she was heading as it escalated through the lighting. I thought that was very, very clever. I, it's funny. That was my next comment. I, I, I reckon it's striking. It's the work of Paul Jackson, plays a vital role. And did you know, Jackie, <laughs> somebody's coughing away, uh, is inspired by Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina, which was published in 1878. But Yes, but, but uh, is that not the just along the theme of uh, women being judged harshly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but unlike Tolstoy... Which is only a small part of his... Well, the, the writer here, Carissa Licardello, was interested in a feminist interrogation, and she skillfully navigates that. She she turns the spotlight on passionate expression as a force for destruction, and and, and that's, that's really a response to societal shaming along gender lines. And, I mean, if, if I ask this question, just how far have we moved in acceptance of a woman's right to choose to plot a path that she believes is true to herself? and that's what this is about. You be the judge. You please, folks, go and see Anna Kay. It's a searing reflection of the modern world writ large, and it's at, on at the Maryland Theatre at Malthouse Theatre. I thought the conviction behind it was compelling, as is the piece itself. Would you recommend it, Jackie? Well, I would, but uh, not 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 generally and widely and broadly. Uh, however, it, it was a it was a, a skill production. Why not? Uh, don't think it's a wide audience okay. kind Fair of enough. production. Fair enough. But it was well done. I'll just put it like that. Fair enough. Well, look and what, and what, a, what a theme to carry on from Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, I, and, I, I and, and Hairspray, that. as discussed. Exactly. Um, no, we've got to even go. the princess that I mentioned, but there we've, you go. We, women being judged. We've got to go, folks. We're, we're over time, so I apologise. Thank you, folks. Catch up next week. First on Film and Entertainment. Thank you all. Farewell for now. <laughs>